it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance for Jack of the Shadows. And welcome back to another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I am one of your hosts, Justin. And I'm the other one, James. And today we are creeping along. We got one more chapter until the end of the, the book, officially. <laughs> so uh, this will be interesting. Um, so chapter 52, there is neither beginning nor end, or there is neither beginning nor end, depending on how you prefer to say that. Um, quick recap, since we want to you know, kill off this chapter so we can get ready for the next one next time. So this will be fun. Um, the recap real quick is uh, Rand kind of had a little skirmish slash battle with Balzaman and Rand was experiencing these changes or this thing with light and Balzaman had his little darkness uh, web pulsing light thing or pulsing darkness thing uh that we explained in the last episode, but um, Rand took on Balzaman apparently uh, near Tarwin's Gap, where the Shinarans were facing down the Trollocs and uh, Merdral and Drakkar and stuff, um, and everything kind of went dark. So now we're at the beginning of Chapter Fifty Two, and Rand's kind of coming to his senses and waking up, if you will. And there's a lot of descriptions, so we're going to skip most of the descriptions and get the basic gist of it. So enjoy those really good, fantastic, cool, wonderful descriptions, <laughs> I guess. Um, so he's like, it's light in the morning. You know, that probably should mean something to me, but I mean, I think I means me. Like, he seems to have, like, had a kind of a amnesia effect, but with the amnesia hitting him and then kind of slowly fading away. So he's, like, relearning things, it appears. And he's got, like, bruises and stuff all over him, you know. It, it, it just smells really disgusting nearby. So he kind of, like, pulls himself over to his side and gets onto his hands and knees and he's super sore. Um, he's not really sure what's going on, but there's some like oily ashes that he's laying like in a pool of. And he finds some little bits of dark green cloth, you know, meshed in with all this, you know, char and blackened scraps that had gotten out of the flame. And he realizes that it was Agonor. So of course, you know, his stomach tries to make him go and lose all his lunch that he probably didn't have time to eat before the battle. And he's trying to get all this goop off of him because, you know, that's the leftovers of one of the forsaken. And even if it wasn't one of the leftovers for the forsaken, that's still just nasty to be covered in whatever this is. So he's, you know, not making much of a difference in this entire endeavor. Um, but then he ends up vomiting over the edge of the cliff because, you know, he looked over the edge. It's just literally a sheer drop. Just complete straight down. 
So. I mean, if he's only if he's only just king too, and he would just be like up to your neck and someone someone else. Well, not someone. He's not up to his neck. Just, he's just he just well, happens you know, to be charred, like laying in remains. the the charred, charred oily remains. remains of somebody, let alone a villain or an enemy. But then he sees this edge of a cliff and then just throws up because of it. Um, so he kind of crawls, you know, backwards until he's got stone because he's apparently not a fan of heights, which is something interesting for later note um but you know he tries to pull his sword from his scabbard and you know there's little pieces of the red cloth barely remain but it's a heron marked blade so he's like oh it's heron marked yeah my father tam um and he's, he's like trying to recognize that he has this and he's trying to remember everything and he's like oh there's you know steel for that and you know he's trying to put it back in the sheath and it takes him three times to actually get it in and um, he's like it had been something else or there was a different sword like he, he can't remember but what he's got now is different from what he remembers. Um, and then he like says his name, like I'm, my name is Randall Thor. And then he's like, all this memory kind of crashing up. Like he's literally, literally like in a, a weird amnesia withdrawal, like amnesia's fading away little bit by little bit. And he's slowly remembering everything. So he's, you know, like, Oh, my name is Randall Thor. And he's like, Oh snap. I fought the dark one. The dark one's dead. Shaitan is dead. Like he's thinking, you know, there's no reason to be cautious anymore because, you know, I killed Shaitan. Um, and he's like, starts laughing and he's got tears coming out of his eyes. Shaitan is dead. Woo. But then he remembers Egwene and he's like, it means something important. He doesn't know what it means, but he's just like, I got to search for this Egwene. Um, so he gets up to his feet. And it's not obviously not painful. So he's like, oh, you know, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter about Agonor. So he runs past Agonor's ashes. And he's falling more than climbing down this steep area of the slope. And, you know, moving around, trying to get there. And he just has this thought in his head, Egwene. Like, I have to find her. Who is Egwene? And he seems to be flailing, going through the grass. You know, he's trying to trot. But he falls against a tree. He's like, he's playing pinball with the foliage at this point and he still like has this one thought in his mind Egwene Egwene um and then he ends up coming through this clearing um that's half filled by the green man's grave and there's a white stone arch marked with the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai and the black gaping pit where fire and wind had tried to trap Agonor and failed um and he's like Egwene Egwene where are you and then he sees this pretty girl who looks up with big eyes where she knelt beneath the spreading branches with flowers in her hair. And um, the description is she's slender, young, and frightened. He's like, yes, that's who she is, of course. He's like, oh, go ahead and thank the light you're all right. You know, rushes over and tries to see how she's doing. And then there's two other women with her, one with the haunted eyes and long braid, which, as the readers, we know, we could identify this as Nynaeve. And she's still decorated with a few white morning stars. And the other one, laying outstretched with her head on a pillow with folded cloaks, which by default, since we know how many women were in the party, we know that this is Moraine. And she has a sky blue cloak 
not really hiding her tattered dress. And she she looked like she's a bit worse for wear. He's like, oh, it's Moraine. Yes, the Asadai and the Wisdom Naive. And like, he's, he's coming to these conclusions. And they're all looking at him, just staring at him without blinking and just intently focusing on him. He's like, you are all right, right, Egwene? They, they didn't harm you, right? And now he's able to walk without stumbling around, but seeing her made him feel like dancing, bruises and all. <laughs> so um, it feels good to drop down cross-legged beside them, even though he could still walk. Um, and Egwene's like, well, I never even saw him after you pushed, you know, well, how, how are you doing, Rand? And she seems a little uncertain. He's like, oh, I'm fine. A little rest and I'll be new made. He's like, what about you, Nani even Moraine? And it's in his mind, these are new words. Like he's saying them as if he knows them, but he's not fully comprehending how he knows them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um And Nanive's like, she seems like her eyes are old and ancient, but she's got a young face. Like she knows more than she should, <laughs> and she's been through a lot more than she would like. Um, but she's like, well, I'm a little bruised. Moraine's the only one who really got hurt. And Moraine's like, well, I, I suffered more injury to my pride than anything else. You know, Agonor was a little upset and surprised that I held him as long as I did. But, you know, lucky for us, he didn't have any time to spare for me. I'm surprised that I held him as long because back in the Age of Legends, only like the Kinslayer and Ishamael had uh, more power than Agonor. And Agonor was close to them. Um, which, mind you, is a lot of power. <laughs> um, and Egwene, I, I never understood this part, but Egwene starts quoting this, and I'm like, this is a mantra that should have been like the beginning of, of a chapter, not like, it, it, it seems awkwardly put in. I don't know why, but it says, the Dark One and all the Forsaken, Egwene quoted in a faint, unsteady voice, are bound in Shale Ghoul, bound by the Creator. And it's only a portion of it. She stops. But it's like, why are you quoting this? Like, you know for a fact that they're there, so obviously that's a false statement. Um, she just wanted to feel important. I, I don't know. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense, like, why that phrase is there. Like, even if, if it was Perrin who said it, Matt said it, Lance said it, Nynaeve said it, like, whoever said it doesn't, doesn't matter. The fact that the phrase is there is just weird. Like, I'm, I feel like we've already... Con like, you might want to... I don't remember the exact point, but maybe you remember hearing that at some point already. Yeah. Does it sound familiar to you? Yeah. Yeah. It does like, sound like somebody's familiar. already said it. It's like, okay, so why are you saying it now? <laughs> Obviously the mantra is not working. Um, but Moraine's like, well, Agonor and Balthamel were probably trapped near the surface and the dark ones prison is weakening enough to free, uh, to free them. Um, at least no more forsaken were freed yet. And if they have been, we would have probably seen them. It's like, whew, we saved, got saved by that one. Moran's um, like, well, Agnor Bethalmo dead, and so is shot. And he's like trying to say that, and Moraine cuts him off. It's like, oh, no, nope, the Dark One. Best we still call him the Dark One, or Baalzaman at least. And he's like, well, whatever you want, but he's dead. He, I killed him. I burned him with, and then he remembers that he uses the one power. He wielded the one power that no man can, and then he just, all moisture in his mouth, just gone. Um, great, great noise. Yeah, this is this is a very awkward moment for Rand and the three women in front of him. 
specifically because of who they are and who they're supposed to end up being. Um, so he reaches out to Egwene and he didn't even imagine her drawing back, but she turned her face away and he let his hand drop. Um, then she flings her arms around him and, you know, buries her face in his chest. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't care. I really don't. And then she's like crying and he's trying to like pat her hair. Like, Oh, it's okay. <laughs> but he looks at the other two women and, and he's like, I'm going to pull a moraine. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. Nine moraine said I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you would blend moraine and nine together, but Morive or nine, 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 I don't know. I don't know. But, it's funny where that's something we can worry about later i know right <laughs> they're gonna pull a goku and vegeta and morph together or fuse together to make a more powerful super saiyan i said i um they'll just sit there holding their arms out like they're you know lifting weights and just go ah for like six episodes uh but um Everything eventually becomes Dragon Ball. I know, right? Just saying. <laughs> All things eventually become Dragon Ball. Um, but he's like, she's like, you know, the wheel weaves is the wheel wills, but you are still, you know, ran from Emmons Field. And the light helped me, the light pebbles all. You're, you're too dangerous, Rand. So he flinches from her eyes, and he's, you know, like, well, she's given up on me. And Moraine's like, well, what happened? Tell me everything. Obviously not with that kind of enthusiasm, but, <laughs> you know, so she's staring at him, compelling him to tell. So he basically just says, like, you know, what's up? And he's like, oh, well, everything goes up. And eventually, you know, he starts crying because he comes to the part with Kari Thor and his mom. And he's like, well, he had my mother, my mother. And, you know, on Nynaeve's face, there's sympathy and pain. But Moraine just like, come on, sort of light, severing black cord, you know, flames consuming Baalzaman. And then Egwene tightens her arm around him as if she would, you know, pull him back from what happened. Like he's having a flashback or something, which I mean, technically he was, he's like, yeah. but it wasn't me. He's like, the light just pulled me along. It wasn't really me. Does that make any difference? I'll actually have you go ahead and pick up this part. All right. <clears throat> I had my suspicions from the first, Lorraine said. Suspicions are not proof, though. After I gave you the token, the coin, and made you that bonding, you should have been willing to fall in with whatever I wanted. But you resisted, questioned. That told me something, but not enough. The Netherin blood was always stubborn, more so after Aemonia died and he... Uh, Eldrin. Eldrin's heart was shattered. I knew that was Bella. Bella? He said. Nothing makes any difference. Nosedai nodded. At Watch Hill, Bella had no need of me to be a cleanser of tiredness. Someone had already done it. She could have been outrun Mandarp that night. I sure thought of who Bella carried. With Trollocs on her heels, a Drakkar overhead, a halfman near the light here, alone knew where. Oh, you must have been feared that Gawain would he be left behind. You needed to do something more than you had ever needed anything before in your life. But you reached out to the one thing that could give it to you, Sidene. 
He shivered. He felt so cold his fingers hurt. If I never do it again, if I never touch it again, I won't. He could, he could not say it. Go mad. Turn the land and people around him to madness. Die, rotting while he still lived. Perhaps, Moraine said. It would be much easier if either was here someone to teach you. But it might be done. With a supreme effort of will. You can teach me. Surely you... He stopped when the Aes Sedai shook her head. Can a cat teach a dog to climb a tree, Rand? Can a fish teach a bird to swim? I know Sidar, but can he teach you nothing of Sidine? Those who could are we are three thousand... Three thousand years dead. Perhaps you are stubborn enough, though. Perhaps your will is strong enough. So yeah, pretty intense moment for Rand to be like shocked to find out like you know what Moraine knew, and it's also a shock for us the readers to be like, oh wait, Moraine had an idea of what was going on already, and we didn't know. It's like that's pretty good writing when you think about it because. Yeah. He could have said, like, Moraine's like, hey, Bella's already done. Like, I don't have to do anything. But he doesn't. He just says that, you know, Moraine goes around cleaning away the tiredness from each of the horses. That's all he goes into detail about. So now we're learning, like, you know, Moraine's like, yeah, I, I knew about this. I didn't know, like, anything solid or guaranteed. It was just a suspicion. But with that... It makes sense. Now, what I'm curious, because with like the bond and the token and the coin and everything, um, did Perrin and Matt fall in line or were they also stubborn? So it's just like they, they didn't mention I, any of that. Yeah, I think this is one of the things where you would probably have to like kind of go back and have a second read through certain passages. Yeah. Because I think that... It kind of depend. It kind of changed on the subject at times. That I mean, like who agreed with who. But I think. Well, but it also doesn't say because it's, it's it's supposed yeah. to be like uh, it was a resistant. Like you're being willing, but you're not like being obvious. It's not like you know following her around like a puppy dog. Yeah. Well, what's I don't know sort of like kind of suggestions and stuff like uh, sort of subtle hints that you know. Well, uh, you know, that's actually that's actually a great idea. They have a thing in here called compulsion, and compulsion is a forbidden technique, so to speak, because it basically forces someone to do what you want them to do, and the Aes Sedai yeah. are like hardcore against it. So this seems like it's not compulsion; it's like inspiring them to follow along, <laughs> kind of thing. Not yeah, necessarily. Jedi. Jedi mind trick. That's it. Just Basically, yeah. Well, well, compulsion. It doesn't matter about your willpower. It's not like, ha ha, I have strong willpower. Your Jedi mind tricks don't work here. It's it's like if you get hit with a compulsion weave, you are compulsed. Period. That's it. So the only way that the compulsion goes away is if a someone removes the compulsion effect, or the person who places the compulsion effect removes it themselves or and or dies and i think even if they die if they have it tied off you, it won't go away but if they don't have it tied off then it'll eventually dissipate itself um but somebody using compulsion is probably going to have it tied off um so essentially 
you know, that, that's a bad thing because then you're forcing people against their will to do something. So the Aes Sedai are like, yeah, that's, that's a no-go. Um, but in this instance, it's like, it, it, it's an interesting concept because like Moraine's really testing the boundaries of what's not compulsion with what is compulsion. But it is a good way to test something. But if she had tested one person at a time and studied them each individually as opposed to as a group, then maybe she would have come away with a bit more smarts on that regard. Um, but Rand asking to, for her to teach him is kind of like, yeah, you're kind of stupid, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it and, is. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, Sidar and Sidine both use the same, you know, five powers or whatever, like fire, earth, water, air, and spirit. So they both use the same thing, but the way they function is different. So for a person to use Sidar versus a person to use Sidine, you got, you could be like, yeah, you want to weave these things together in this kind of a pattern. You maybe like draw it on the ground or something. And then after so many attempts, you could do it correctly. And that would be like, oh, I learned something, but it's a, it's very dangerous to play around with the one power, which is why it's not recommended to just do stuff without thorough, thorough studying. Like even people who are researching the one power at the white tower, you know, disappear because of trying to do something that hadn't been done before. And the outcome was yeah. less than pleasant, less than pleasant. Yeah. So and it's, it's a dangerous thing yeah. to mess around with. So, well, this can be done, but it's, it's, even, it's even more dangerous for Ryan because he, he's, he's on a time limit. He's he's literally flying blind and he's on a time limit. Um, now, keep in mind that the breaking, when the breaking happened, it didn't happen all at once. It was over like a hundred year period. So the people who eventually came up or were already surviving without the madness, you know, it, it happened over time, mostly due to thanks to the steading. But the steading also kept it from cracking the entire planet wide open. So there's that too. So it depends. We had that discussion earlier about, you know, would it have been better to have it all happen at one time or would it have been better to hold it out and suffer long term, but only suffer as opposed to cease to exist. So after this, um, Egwene, you know, straightens up and she's, you know, wiping her eyes and Rand's thinking like, well, at least she's not pulling away and she can look at me without screaming. But Rand asks about the others, and Nynaeve's like, well, Land took him into the cavern, the eye is gone, but something in the middle of the pool, a crystal column, you know, and steps to read it, or to reach it. Uh, Matt and Perrin wanted to look for you first, and so did Loyal, but, you know, the Aes Sedai said, nope, we're going in there. And that we have we mustn't disturb you while you're, you know, doing your thing. Um, so his throat, like, tightens, and he's like, are they going to turn their faces away? You know, how... Egwene did it, or are they going to scream and run away like I'm a fade? And Moraine spoke as if she was ignoring the fact that there's blood draining from his face. So, go ahead and pick this up, good sir. There was a vast amount of be the one power in the eye. Even the Age of Legends, few could have a child do so much unaided without he being destroyed. Very few. You told them? said hoarsely. If everybody knows, only Lan. Moraine said gently. He must know. And Nynaeve and Egwene, for what he they are, dear what he they will become. The others have no need. 
yet. Why not? The rasp in his throat made his voice harsh. You'll be wanting to gentle me, won't you? Isn't that wise that I do to men who can wield the power? Change them so they can't? Make them safe? Tom said he many who have been gentled die because they stop wanting to live. Why aren't you talking about he taking me to Tom Volan to be gentled? You are Tarviran, Rain replied. Perhaps the pattern has not finished with you. Ran sat up, sat up straight. In the dreams, Balzaman said he Tarvalan and he the Emerlin seat will he try to use me. He named names, and I remember them now. Rowlin Darksbane. Where, Where I swear that's, that's I swear that's the one I always trip up on. It's weird. Gwer is easy, it's the Amalasan is the hard part. Rowlin Darksbane and Gwer Amalasan. <laughs> Amalasan. Yurin Stonebow. Davian. Loghain. The last was the hardest of all to say. Then Eve went pale, and Egwene gasped. They pressed on angrily. Every one a false dragon. Don't try to deny it. Well, I won't be used. I mean, not at all if you, you can either throw on in the midden heap when it's worn out. A tool made here for a purpose is not here to mean by being used here for that purpose. Rain's voice was as harsh as his own. But a man who believes the father of lies need to means himself. You say you will not be used, and then you let the Dark One he has set your path like a hound he has sent, sent after a rabbit by his master. His fists clenched. He turned his head away. It was he too close here to hear things he Elsma had said. I am no one's hound. Do you hear me? No one's. Loyal and the others appeared near the arch, and Rand scrambled to his feet, looking at Moraine. They will not know, Dinosaur said, until the pattern makes it so. I'm just thinking Star Trek. Make it so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Now I, can, I just imagine, like, Moraine and the, uh, the off like, officers get up and all that. Well, I just imagine, like, She's like, they will not know until the pattern makes it so. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Enterprise shows up. And he's like, make it so. And then everybody finds out. <laughs> you know, with the... You know, with just the crossover the we, we don't deserve. <laughs> yeah, so, somehow with how things are going, that wouldn't surprise me. See, when the breaking of the world happened after the Age of Legends, they actually had sent the Enterprise off. And then the Enterprise came back after the breaking of the world with all this fancy technology. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's also it's it also all funny. makes sense. Ah. Yeah. yeah, it's also it's also funny that uh, Mary Sue herself came down and uh, saved the saved the day and everything. Yeah, well, thankfully that was fan made, not official canon for Star Trek. Well, you know this is all ridiculous. So you know, yeah. what's the point? I just say Sue the Mary. Um, but yeah, so with all this stuff going on, you know. That's a lot of one power that got channeled from the eye and, you know, the people who have to know, know, which obviously means not Perrin or Matt. Because reasons. And being a Taviran separates him from, you know, Rylan Darkspain, Gwer Amalasan, Urien Stonebow, Davian, and even Loghain. Like, being a Taviran means that the pattern has something special for him. 
Now, the trick with this, because it kind of comes into like what uh, I think we've talked about this before, but I just want to reiterate it real quick. Well, the trick with the the pattern and the wheel and Taviran and the trope of the chosen one concept or whatever. Um, yeah. They always think that it means, oh, the good guy's going to win. Like, it's impossible for him not to. Right? Which just takes the sail or the wind out of the sails of basically any story that has that. So you're like, oh, look, we know that the good guy's going to win. So we already know how it ends. I don't have to read this book. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, nothing is for certain in the pattern. The pattern has a concept it wants to participate in, but the actions of those that are influenced by the pattern still have an effect on the pattern and how the wheel deals with things. Thus, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, is that the wheel is trying to do what it wants to do to have like everything continue on as it was supposed to, like it was intended to do, like the, the, the basic form of nature taking off after nature. So if you have nature who's like, okay, you got your spring, summer, autumn, and winter, and then repeat, well, it's trying to perform that function. But then there's something unnatural that's extending the winter. So now it's winter longer. Spring got put off. You know, crops are not going to grow or whatever. Like the weather is all jacked up. The wheel's trying to push through the basic four seasons that it's always done because that's what it's supposed to do. It's nature. But something's interfering with that. So the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. The, the wheel is willing and is weaving to do it a specific way, but it's being interfered with an outside force. So in that way, it's showing that just because the wheel is trying to, the wheel has a plan does not mean that plan's a guarantee. Like sticking Rand in front of a charging trollic line does not mean Rand's going to survive just because the pattern wants to use him for something. That's not how that works. And that's, that's the tricky part in all of this is that it's, just because it's, it's not fate in the way people typically think about it. Like, you know, you're, you're destined to survive and win the war or whatever. Well, that means that everybody else is optional. <laughs> so the entirety of the rest of the world could get wiped off the face of the earth and he could be the last person standing and succeed. And then, you know, he'll die eventually. And then that's that. That's the end of humanity. So, it's not necessarily a good thing, bad thing, or the other. It's just, there's, it's not a cut and dry thing. It's, there's interference and interference can be done by the will of individuals and how things play out in life. But it's trying to make a pattern at a particular way. But if the pattern gets interrupted or interfered with, it's not going to come out the same way. So the pattern can change its path to fit. And the Taviran pulls the pattern around these kind of interferences in some ways. So it's, it's not too far fetched, but it's not too cut and dry either. Um, it's, it's a little weird, but as long as that makes sense, um, <laughs> totally doesn't make sense. Does it? I, I ain't saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You keep your mouth shut. <laughs> um, your words are self-evident and, uh, damn the man who tries to dissuade you. <laughs> We'll just them. Sorry. <laughs> um, so after all this happens, um, you know, Land shows up with Loyal, Matt, and Perrin. They're like, they're a little bit worse for wear. 
uh, Lan had a bandage from Nynaeve around his temple. Um, and a little stiff way of walking. I mean, he kind of got flung and thrown into a pillar. I mean, it makes sense that he's probably not feeling 100% right now. Um, Loyal's carrying this large golden chest with ornate worked chased silver on it. Um, and it's literally such a big chest that only an O-gear would be able to lift it unaided. Even Perrin wrapped around a bundle folded with white cloth and, you know, Matt's cup and some kind of pottery fragments in his hands. Um, but, you know, Perrin's not going to be able to pick up this chest by himself and he's a freaking blacksmith that is built. Um, so Matt laughs, like, ah, so you're alive after all. And then he gets, like, really serious and darkens his face because he's upset with Moraine. He's like, she wouldn't let us look for you. Said we had to find out what the eye was hiding. I would have gone anyway, but not even Egwene, you know, joined her side and nearly threw, practically threw me through the arch. And Perrin pipes in, all good-natured, like, "Yeah, you're here now, and not too badly beaten by the look of you." And, but this time his eyes didn't glow, but the irises were all yellow. Um, and he's like, "Well, the important thing is you're here, and we're done with what we came for. So, whatever that was." Um, Marine said, "I says we're done. We can go home." So, light burned me up. I want to go home. <laughs> and even Lan's kind of, you know, hey, good to see you alive, sheep herder. I see you hung onto the sword. Maybe you'll learn how to use it now. <laughs> Which I thought, it's like, it's an insult, but it's also a compliment at the same time. Um, but because of how Lan was talking to him, Rand feels a sudden burst of affection for the warder. Because, you know, Lan knows about him, at least on the surface, and nothing had changed on that surface. And it's like this, you know, maybe for Lan, inside of him, nothing changed either. So Lan could be faking it, but it seems like Lan's just kind of like, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Which is the mantra of his eyes to die, so it makes sense. Um, Loyal's just like, no, I must say, traveling with Tavirin has turned out to be even more interesting than I expected. And his ears twitch, as they usually do when he's, you know, bothered or upset or anxious or basically any feeling whatsoever. His ears twitch. <laughs> but um, it's like, if it becomes any more interesting, I'm going to head to studying Shanghai immediately, confess everything to Elder Haman, and never leave my books again. And then he grins, and, you know, he's got this huge face. It's like, it's good to see you, Rand. The warder was the only one of these three who cares much at all for books, and he won't talk. Um, and he asked, like, what happened to you? And it's like, we all ran off and hid in the woods until, you know, the Aes Sedai sent land to find us, and she wouldn't let us look for you. Why were you gone so long? And he's like, oh, I ran and ran until I fell on a hill and hit my head on a rock. Pretty sure I hit every rock on the way down. <laughs> so he was a literal pinballing machine even before he was a pinball machine. When he uh, becomes a pinball machine. Well, remember, remember when he was ah, spoilers. <laughs> the one power turns him into a pinball machine. Um, but no, when Ag when he got out of Aganor's remains and he saw the cliff and he threw up and he was coming down the yeah. hill, he was hitting every rock and every tree, just running into things. So he was like, "Oh, I was running," and you know, he was ping ponging him or not ping pong, ping pong. <laughs> pinballing himself up to where he was and then pinballing himself way down. So he's like, eh. When I came to, I was lost and finally stumbled back here. I'm pretty sure Aganor's dead or burned away. 
Um, found some ashes and pieces of his cloak. And in his head, he's like, it seems like really, really poor lies. But, you know, his friends just kind of accepted it instead of laughing and scorn and demanding, you know, he be honest with them. Um, but they make, you know, sympathetic sounds like, oh, man, that must have hurt. You know, you've been through a lot, you know, <laughs> the usual sympathy you would expect. Um, and then they kind of, you know, gather around Moraine and she's like, well, help me up. So not even a Gwen lift her up and support her while she's sitting. And she's like, let's see what we got. And Matt's like, well, how are these things inside the the eye? I mean, without being destroyed like the rock. And Moraine's like, well, these were not there to be destroyed, put there to be destroyed. And, you know, she just gives them all a frown to like, keep them from asking more questions. But then she looks at the pottery flag fragments and there's black and white and very, very, very shiny and took them from Matt. Um, they look like rubble, but she puts them together perfectly quickly on the ground beside her having a perfect circle the size of a man's hand. So not a very big one. I mean, just the size of your palm. Um, and it's the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai and the flame of Tarvalin joined with the dragon's fang, black siding with white. And Moraine just kind of stares at it with no nothing on her face, and then she takes a knife out of her belt, hands it to Lan, nodding to the circle. So Lan grabs it, separates the largest piece, raises the knife high, and brings the knife down to smash it with all of his might. Spark flew, the fragment leaps with force of the blow, and the blade snaps with a crack. And he looks at the, the stump left at the, to the hill, and he's like, that was the best steal from Tyr. Match picked up the fragment and was like, huh? Nothing's there. No mark. And Moraine's like, it's Quendiar. Heartstone. And no one's been able to make it since the Age of Legends, and even when it was made only for the greatest purpose. Once made, nothing can break it. Not the one power itself wielded by the greatest Aes Sedai who ever lived, aided by the most powerful Sa'angreal ever made. Any power directed against Heartstone only makes it stronger. So literally the Hulk in metal form. <laughs> Now imagine I, if, I can see a few problems with this, but... I know, right? Now, imagine if you had the Hulk, but made of metal. So, like, Iron Man metal the Hulk. I'm pretty sure that Iron Hulk is, a, is like, a thing. Or... Well, they have Hulk Buster, but I'm talking, like, made yeah, of Quen Quendiar. Yeah, I, I know this is an analogy, but I kind of despise, like, Marvel and all that <laughs> stuff. But whatever, we're, we're not talking about that. <laughs> Yes, we are. <laughs> right now, Marvel uh, Podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? We tricked you guys. You thought this was a Wheel of Time podcast, and we turned it into a Marvel podcast right at the end of the first book. <laughs> You'll never know the ending. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Quendiar, so they're like, it's super powerful. And he's like, well, then how did this break? And he's like, oh, yeah, this is just one of the seven seals of the Dark One's prison. And Matt just drops it if it became hot. He's like, what? And then Perrin's just, like, looking at it, and his eyes appear to glow. And Moraine just calmly begins gathering the fragments. And Rand's like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. And everybody looks at him like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, shoot, I should have kept my mouth shut. And Moraine's like... Why? What? Just why? Why, Rand? Because Rand can't keep his mouth shut. Have, are you, like, just realizing this now? <laughs> like, oh, I... Now I constantly realize that it's just that I hope that eventually he would just uh, whatever. Don't hold your breath. 
I wasn't planning on doing that. So Mariah's like, you know, sure, sure, whatever you say. And then she's like, bring me the chest. So she, like, completely just sideswipes everyone's possible, you know, questions about what's going on. So Loyal brings the chest, the chest closer. I'll read this part. The flattened cube of gold and silver appeared to be solid, but the acidized fingers felt across the intricate work, pressing, and with a sudden click, a top flung back as if on a springs. A curled gold horn nestled within. Despite its gleam, it seemed plain beside the chest that held it. The only markings were a line of silver script inlaid around the mouth of the bell. Moraine lifted the horn out as if lifting a babe. This must be carried to Ilion, she said softly. Ilion, Perrin growled. That's almost to the Sea of Storms. Nearly as far as south of home as we are north now. Is it? Loyal stopped to catch his breath. Can it be? You can read the old tongue? Moraine asked. And when he nodded, she handed him the horn. The Ogier took it as gently as she had, delicately tracing the script with one broad finger. His eyes went wider and wider, and his ears stood up straight. Tie me, Avin Muradin, Isande, Vadin, he whispered. The grave is no bar to my call. The Horn of Alir. For once the warder appeared truly staken, shaken. And there was a touch of awe in his voice. I completely, honestly, completely forgot to rehearse that old tongue, and it happened to work out. So, yay. Yeah, reading the old tongue just. Sometimes I do just end up skipping over it because it's like, (laughs) I I don't know. Well, normally you're supposed to go over things with me and be like, hey, by the way, I don't know what this is. Can you tell me? And I'd be like, tell you, but. I was like, I specifically grabbed this part because I figured you didn't want to have to put up with that. And it's a very short piece anyway. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so the Horn of Valir, which is kind of a big deal, which I mean, if anybody remembers any of the stories that Tom was telling about the, the hunt for the horn and everything, this is this is the target, right? This is this is what the hunt for the horn is all about. This is the 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 target of the entire pretty much the entire city of Ilion has like this giant event, like Cinco de Mayo or something just to find the horn. So it's like the biggest treasure hunt in the world or hide and seek, if you will, it hides and they all seek it. (laughs) And they've been doing this for centuries as if I remember correctly. So it's, it's a big deal. And the horn of Valir is supposed to be like when blown by the proper person at the proper time, etc., will summon back the, uh, dead heroes of the wheel. So it's kind of it's kind of a big deal. Um. But then you know, Nynaeve's like to call the heroes of ages back from the dead to fight the dark one. And she's like very shaky voice, which is odd for Nynaeve. And Matt, of course, does what Matt does: burn me. <laughs> yes. So, loyal, you know, reverently lays it back in this little the, the chest. And he's, I'm thinking, like, why is this chest so freaking big and this horn is so small? 
And it's just like, what's going on? And the Moraine's like, well, the Eye of the World was made against the greatest need of the world, whatever phase, but it was made for us, for the use to which we put it, or to guard these things. Quickly, last show it to me. So I'm going to read this next part, and hopefully I can do it justice in the awe-inspiring area. After the first two, Rand could understand Perrin's reluctance. Blan and the Ogier took the bundle of white cloth from him when he hesitated, and unfolded it between them. A long, white banner spread out, lifting on the air. Rand could only stare. The whole thing seemed of a piece, neither woven, nor dyed, nor painted. A figure, like a serpent, scaled in scarlet and gold, ran the entire length, but it had scaled legs and feet with five long golden claws on each, and had a great head with a golden mane and eyes like the sun. The stirring of a banner made it seem to move, scales glittering like precious metals and gems, alive, and he almost thought he could hear a roar of defiance. What is it? he said. Moraine answered slowly. The banner of the Lord of the Morning when he led the forces of the light against the shadow. The banner of Luz Theron Telamon. The banner of the dragon. Loyal almost dropped his end. Burn me! Matt said faintly. We will take these things with us when we go, Moraine said. They were not put here by chance, and I must know more. Her fingers brushed her pouch, where the pieces of the shattered seal were. It is too late in the day for starting now. We will rest and eat, but we will leave early. The blight is all around here. Not as long, the border, and strong. Without the green man, this place cannot hold long. Let me down. She told Nynaeve and Egwene, I must rest. So, you know, big news. I don't know if I did that any justice or not to it, but. It's one heck of a discovery. <laughs> You're not joking there. Yeah, burn me. Just burn me. And Loyal's just I'm like, sorry. ah, it's the second thing I almost dropped today. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hot potato drop it like it's hot contest and. Matt succeeded. Loyal almost did. But, I don't know. I mean, we know what a dragon looks like. They don't know what a dragon looks like. So they see this thing. It's like a serpent or whatever. And they're like, what is it? This is precious. This is... Um, but we, we get that, you know, it's the banner of the Lord of the Morning when he led the forces of the light against the shadow, the banner of Luz Theron Telamon, Kinslayer, the banner of the dragon. So he was the dragon. So we're like, oh, this is the dragon banner. So kind of a big deal. Yeah. But um, after this, um, Rand's like looking, but not noticing. Dead brown leaves everywhere coming from the Great Oak. You know, you got all these dead leaves around and, and just the green man was what was causing the blight to not push into the eye of the world area. 
but the blight's already overtaking it. And he turns to Moraine and is like, it is done, isn't it? It is finished? And it's weird because it, it, it's entered in as if it's a statement rather than a question he's asking. But like he asks a question and you think that the it is finished should be a question like, it is done, isn't it? It is finished, right? Like that kind of thing. But the way he wrote it is, it is done, isn't it? It is finished. Like, it's a statement of fact after a question. It's like, he's asking a question and then answering his own question, which is, why are you asking it if you are going to answer it? So that's a bit of a weird sentence to put together. Um, but then Moraine, you know, turns her head towards him and, or towards, uh, yeah, towards him. And they seem to be as deep as the eye of the world. It's like, we have done what we came here for, like, to do. But from here, you may live your life as the pattern weaves. Eat, then sleep, Randall Thor. Sleep and dream of home. And with that, the end of the chapter. Any thoughts, good sir, on, you know, that chapter in its whole entirety and whatnot? So I know it's a pretty uh, short chapter, but there's still some good stuff. Yeah. Well, see, like, the thing is here that he, like... Uh, the main focus of this that I'm taking away is the fact that he ran to use the one power. <laughs> the main thing I noticed was that, you know, a guy well, just used like, the one power. Well, well, it's that, but also just like... Just in my mind here, the main sort of draw was the kind of the conversation that he had with Moraine and... Which one? Probably one... The one well, earlier or the like, one later? Uh, the one earlier in the chapter. Gotcha. But, um, see, this is a kind of thing that, like, I think maybe now we're starting to see the whole thing of you can't, you can't trust an Aes Sedai, because, again, you see, just see, like, a Rant's whole thing is, like, oh, no, you're going to gentle me, aren't you? And, you know, maybe, maybe she is telling the truth, or maybe she's just telling him, like, what he wants to hear in a convenient way so that she can actually just like kind of lull him into a full sense of security and then, you know, get him gentled. Yeah. Well, I don't, the, the I don't know yet. The tower so. has a thing where you can't just gentle them on the spot. You have to take them back to the, the I, I know, but it's like the, I know, but see the whole thing of, I know, but it's the whole thing of here that if she gets him to think, you know, if she makes him let lower his guard the, and he, yeah. Gets taken yeah, advantage. just to feel that. Yeah. Which is probably, I think, like, one of the first times we would be seeing what everyone else has been saying about Aes Sedai in practice with Moraine. Yeah. Which is funny, because um, we've gone the whole book and you haven't really noticed anything else. <laughs> but... Uh, well, again, this is... Well, as mentioned... Within the other chapter, there are probably things that you could go back and read, reread, sorry, that, um, you know, you would probably see in a different light now, just like a certain interaction or stuff like that. Um, as for the rest of the chapter, uh, the group's got you some new loot. <laughs> Ticket these upgrades, man. 
yeah, it's just it, it kind of reminded me of um, just in the, like a D and D campaign where you just seek out like a new load of magic items. Just be like, oh, sweet. So I got the banner here of the guy who allegedly caused the breaking of the world. I got the uh, the horn that's supposed to stop the dark one by bringing back dead heroes back to life. You know, I mean the that. Yeah, see the 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 very moment that in the horn horn got mentioned, just um Tom, you know, Tom Marilyn, it just jumped back to my mind. I just thought, Ilion boy, Ilion. <laughs> I just imagining Tom pops out of the grave with the horn. Dude, take this to Ilion right now. Greatest city in the world. <laughs> what are you doing, boy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Tom, it was so good. It was so happy to see you. What are you talking about? Get the horn. <laughs> We must ride! <laughs> ride to Ilion in glory! He's just sitting there covered in here like grave dirt and just missing an arm or whatever. <laughs> just... half, he's missing half his mustache. <gasps> the horror! <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. Good old Tom. Um, but yeah, anything else about the chapter that particularly stuck out to you? Um... I did find it a bit interesting in the, like, the very beginning of the chapter, which I think you, well, we touched on it, well, you touched on it at least, that um, Ramsey kind of suffering from, like, sort of pseudo-amnesia. Yeah, it's not like, it's not like amnesia, amnesia, where he forgot everything permanently and whatnot. I, I sort of just, it's I like, kind of took it, wait, sorry, you go. I was going to say, like, it's just kind of like him knowing stuff and then the effect of the battle with Baalzebon, like, temporarily hid his memories from him. And then, like, as he just, like, randomly thinks about stuff that he would normally think about, it then kind of comes crashing home back at him again. So it's not even, like, necessarily amnesia as more like a temporary blanking. Like, it's like the ultimate brain fart. And it's like that brain fart that kind of like squeezes out over a long period of time, so it's just coming out once. <laughs> um, that's not a pleasant <laughs> description. I don't know what it is, um, but that's that's the way I saw it in terms of what it was capable of doing and stuff. Maybe you think differently. I don't know. Uh, I did kind of. I don't know. I don't know if this is usually me wanting to see what's not there, but I did kind of take it. To in the sort of way that sort of like he two memories are trying to occupy the same spot in his mind. And, I don't know, sort of just like he um sort of just like he the events that transpired, he's it, it, it's kinda of complicated to, to explain, but maybe like what Rand experienced wasn't necessarily like his doing, if that makes sense. You mean like not remembering things? No, no. I mean it, like it, the like the battle like battles one and all the stuff that. Yeah, he he said in this chapter that he felt like he was being tugged along, and I believe it was covered also in the last chapter that he was being tugged along by this strand of light. Um, yeah, that I don't know. I sort of just he kind of took that to mean that maybe he was experiencing someone else's sort of, like, memories or, like, experiences or something, or something like that. Hmm. That would be interesting. I guess I have never heard that concept before. Um, 
I don't. I don't know. I'm not saying it's a horrible um, concept. I'm just saying it's it's a, kind of a new one to me, particularly. Um, was there anything else? I, again, it was kind of a pretty short chapter, so it wasn't a whole lot of content, really. Yeah, uh, I know that you did say that the, the like the ending chapters are kind of the wrapping up chapters. They're wrapping uh, up, so they're they're going to be shrunken by a lot in terms of like they're going to be more short, compact punches to the gut rather than long-winded description-filled, adventurous-based, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's tidying it up for, like, the final closure of it, and then be like, hey, by the way, in case you didn't know, next book starting. <laughs> so, it's, it's just, like, ties it all up for you with some sort of a cliffhanger, and then you have to, you have to continue reading to figure out more so you you pick up the next book and yeah. you just jump right into it which hopefully we'll be doing excuse me not too long after this but yeah we might take a break from the books specifically and uh take a break just before we jump into that one cuz um i don't know how long it's going to take to finish the next book but it's probably going to take a, a good amount of time <laughs> but i mean we we've done pretty good in pumping out stuff so if we keep at the yeah. rate we're going, we could actually do quite a bit. We could put a dent into these pretty easily. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, anything else or. Well, I think it's, I think it's kind of pointless for me to, uh, sort of try and predict like what's going to happen next. Cause you know, literally anything can happen. What could happen? Anything. <laughs> well, uh, uh it might be like five year time jump in the future, and I mean, well, you don't have to, you don't have to make any comments. I yeah. I just wanted I didn't want to leave anything out if you had something you wanted to mention before we close up. No, no, I've, I've got nothing else to give. <laughs> you never have. But um, <laughs> so uh, I guess I'll go ahead. I gave you everything that you gave me, and you gave me nothing. Yeah, that's how I feel you about monster. every single episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and chill for us so we can wrap this episode up nice and tidy for everyone, like a package with a bow. Um, yeah, if you guys want to join us again, the next episode, uh, we would love to have you guys for the final chapter of the eye of the world. Dun, dun, dun. But in all seriousness, uh, we, we do want to thank you guys for hanging out with us especially this long, since I know this is a lot of episodes and a lot of hours and a lot of time and effort, but um, hopefully you guys appreciate it. <laughs> we'll still make it even if you don't. So, uh, but <laughs> it's, it's something to be appreciated anyway. Um, yeah. If, if you don't like it, we'll make it, make it purely out of spite. <laughs> it's like, I don't like this. You guys suck. We're good. Cause we're going to keep making it. And you're going to have to listen to it. Just, just because yeah. Reasonings. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we honestly do thank you guys for hanging out with us. I know it's not always the most popular thing to do. Everyone likes to go for the flashy stuff rather than the indie in <laughs> the detailed in-depth dive analysis into the story. So you can learn all the cool details. But uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this particularly, not only because, you know, new people like James could come in and be like, Oh, this is cool information, but 
it to give you like the actual weight of the story by having the information available to you now. And then when you come to something later on, you're like, oh my gosh, this connects to this. And later on, that means a lot. So this is a fun thing for new readers to read or even veteran readers who may have missed or skipped something, not necessarily on purpose, but it just bypassed them. And I hear all the time, people are like, yeah, every time I read the wheel of time, I learn something new. I'm the same way. So this is actually really good because this slows me down because I'm a speed reader. So I, I read like the whole book in like a day. Um, but a lot of veterans have had this thing where like they'll read it and they won't recognize that there's something there until they read it like so many times. And they're like, oh my gosh, it just hit me that this is what happened. So what this podcast is aimed at is a read along for you guys to enjoy your book, but also get some a little bit extra of a commentary slash dialogue slash humor slash, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, maybe a little bit of voice acting in there. Um, along with it, but also to learn those little detailed things. And we're not necessarily always going to have every single possible, like this moment in history and, you know, the third age, 15 of the month of Burgundy. I don't know. <laughs> like it's, we're not going to go always super hyper detailed because that's not how I've, uh, I've done it. I'm, we're only more or less using the book sourcing for this we're not delving into all of robert jordan's notes because i i have a hard time finding notes to be canon because if they were canon they would be in the book um but they're more of explanations to explain things in the book but even then we might do something like that after the last book and then kind of go back over it but as of right now we're only sticking to the books so if you if you hear something or we say something that you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with Robert Jordan's notes. That's why. But if you guys do have questions about why we don't use Robert Jordan's notes, because if I what I told you wasn't clear enough, then I guess you'll want to reach out and say hi, which we're completely fine with. So <laughs> say hi, it's fine. Uh, but if you have, if you want to send us questions or comments, concerns or anything like that, um, you can reach us at talesofaredarm at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Tales of Red Arm. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Tales of Red Arm. And we now have a Discord uh, server, which is in our Facebook and possibly Twitter bio. I do not remember. I always, for some reason, seem to forget. So, ah, yes, it is also in Twitter. So if you guys want to reach us that way, um, you can directly message us or comment or something. Just we ask that you guys obviously don't ruin the story for anyone. Um, don't go beyond where we already are in the story. So no one's caught off guard or surprised. Um, we thank you deeply for that because no one likes uh, a spoiled book. Um, I think that's all for the social aspect of things, but um, we look forward to hanging out with you guys more personally and on a non solely professional level where we can say hi and just chat or whatever, shoot the breeze. Um, and we hope you guys will join us in the following finale, if you will, of the eye of the world, the first book of the wheel of time series. And we hope you guys will continue on with us as we go through the entire series. So um, I guess we'll let you guys go now and we'll see you next episode for the finale. Until then.
Dance with Jack of the Shadows. Yeah! 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 Yeah!